Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's Man in the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Justin. Hello. How are you? Been better. You're back. You're poor back. Yeah, getting just a little bit uh, worn out. Might might be time for a new one. You've been really manly though. You did it sort of like I did it. I did mine the other week, just lifting up the lid of the dishwasher. You did yours like in proper proper shopping firewood. Yeah. 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 Proper sort of. I'm trying to think of some American trapper from the past or something. But you're sort of. You were very much like that. David Crockett. Just, I should know my limits, really. Really. <laughs> just, just like the guy out of the guy Leo DiCaprio plays in The Revenant. <laughs> Getting attacked by bears, left for dead. Attacked by bears. Is that what happened? Yeah. Sorry, I've seen scenes that make it look a little more intimate than that. <laughs> you're thinking of Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> uh, that voice there was Adam. Hello. How are we? You all right? Yeah, good. Excellent. Uh, and finally, uh, from the Bonnie Highlands of Scotland, we've got Ali. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You? Good lad. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, listeners, if you started listening to last week's episode, the moment it just dropped, uh, you would have only just finished listening to it for this week, so uh, we are fresh on the case with you. Uh, we're going to be talking to you about the Premier League, about the uh, leagues around Europe, um, and that is pretty much it, because we had a full Premier League round this week, didn't we? So, we will start... Tight 45, yeah, Chris. Sorry? I'm just looking at my watch, and just thinking, probably a tight 45, right? Yeah, 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 no worries. I can't believe you did all that talking last week and didn't even talk about the A-League. Bring us home. <laughs> uh, right, we'll start at the Coliseum where Liverpool beat Everton 5-2. Um, Ali, in the WhatsApp chat beforehand, do you remember what we were talking about? And I stand by what I said. So, listeners, not to let daylight in upon magic or anything, but we have a secret Man of the Post WhatsApp group uh, that Justin very quite wisely left several years ago. Um, and when Ali saw the lineup. He was not happy at the inclusion of Origi and Zedan Shakiri. Um, Ali, who scored three of our five goals? Yeah, that's fine. I still stand by what I said. They're not very good players. I don't, I... We were playing Everton. Everton, no offence, um, Adam, but who aren't, very, you know, they're in the bottom three in the league. They've just sacked their manager. I don't remember the last time they won a game. We can't give. Three... Oh, I can't remember the last time we can't give them. When they come back and perform on a consistent basis against top level teams then we'll have this conversation I will give you Origi's one performance in a second leg of a Champions League semi-final I'll, happily but apart from that he is not good enough to be a Premier League winning player I think he's a very good player uh, for short bursts of time if there was a long term injury to happen to one of our front three and he had to come in for about 15 games I wouldn't be happy but as a player to come on in short bursts he's great um, Zern Shkiri is just Fantastic, I love him to bits. He's That's my favourite player what, at the club. 
that's your love affair. It's like Adam and Delphile. You know, <laughs> we just have these love affection for certain players that we probably shouldn't have. So who's yours then? Mine's Dirk Hoyt. Like still to this day, I'd still have him in the team. Like, <laughs> so mine's the best, is what we're saying. Pretty much, yeah. Like, no, I'd take Shakiri over their fave. You've been wrong before and you're wrong again. So what's the... <laughs> Justin, who'd you take? Shut me up. They scored. They done what they were meant to do. I'm more than happy with that. All right, but I still, as a long term, I don't think we should have either. Um, our long balls into the box. Uh, well, they're not much into the box, but long. We had long crossfield balls played by Trent Alexander-Arnold, Dejan Lovren, no less, with his 60-yard Benucci raker to um, Origi for his second goal. They were wonderful balls, weren't they? Yeah, just. I mean, I feel like we're just like making this really hard for Adam here, but like. We no, don't no, do let's that. let's make it really hard, Fred. We don't do that against any team. Chris is fawning over over a team who beat a team who played all three of their centre backs that add up to about one centre back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it was very much like I believe it was Everton the last time when we played them when the Sturridge got. Uh, remember when he chipped the keeper? He got the hat trick, I believe. Um, I remember that. Yes, definitely. I don't remember that. Just played but, such a high yeah. line. When are we going to talk about how good Richarlison's header was? That's all I'm here for. Go on then. Yeah, it just... Richarlison's header was good. There you go. You know what? To be be fair, they made a real go of it in the first half. No, we didn't. They were four goals down at half-time. Stupid defensiveness. Goals down, Chris. Behave. Hmm? You'd scored four. We went four down. Give us our dignity. (laughs) they, They defended very high up the line against... Manny, who may be the quickest player in the league. Why wouldn't we just exploit it with... And Origi, one thing we can say about him, he is quite quick. There's lots of things we can say about him. Don't be so mean to him. <laughs> like, that, t- nobody nobody in the world was expecting that touch for his second goal. No. And then he chipped it over four foot zero Jordan Pickford. Like, the touch is the only thing we can give him credit for. <laughs> Bloody hell. I'll- we will swap Richarlison for Origi any day of the week. What? Can, can I? Can we have Justin tell me how bad the goalkeeper was from Jordan Pickford now, please? Some sensible analysis at last. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't make it easy on himself. I mean, the, the first goal is a pretty good example of the goalkeeper coming off his line and not affecting the ball or the attacking player, um, and just sort of being a victim and letting it be touched around him and in. Um, and then Origi's goal similarly put himself in that position where he's not close enough to actually affect the attacker, but he's off his line. It's a bouncing ball, so it's the easiest thing in the world just to lift over a goalkeeper. There's a guy named John Harrison on Twitter who's uh, uh, what, what you might derogatorily refer to as a stato, and he keeps very detailed statistics about um, all the Premier League goalkeepers in 1v1 situations, and two seasons ago, Jordan Pickford was quite good near the top of that, Last season, he was middle of the pack, and I think he may be dead last now. And we're, we're not expecting a save in a 1v1 situation all the time, but you'd certainly want your goalkeeper to make it a little more difficult. If you watch again the first goal, he's just started to come as if he thinks he's going to win the ball and clear it away. And, of course, he hasn't got a hope of getting to it, so it's the easiest thing in the world to touch it wide of him and roll it into an empty net. Origi's second. As Ali says, it's a brilliant touch to bring it down, but then it's the easiest finish in the world because Pickford's... Eight ten yards off his line, but not close enough to Rigi to, to to pressure him. So, um, uh, you know, anytime anytime 
a goalkeeper who has played well in the past suddenly isn't, um, you have to think, you have to look holistically at the big picture. And I, I think Pickford's being affected by uh, the overall situation at Everton. It's pretty dire defending week in, week out. And, um, you, you know, you, you hope for your best from the goalkeeper to, to sort of bail a team out. But it's been a bit too much to ask. Um, think... Sorry, can I just interrupt? Uh, I'm watching Inter versus Roma, and uh, Stefan de Vrij has just ran straight into the referee and knocked each other out. Brilliant! Why not more of that? You think like that every now and then? Yeah, Ross <laughs> loves. Um, back, back on on topic, Justin. The one-on-one thing. Do you think that's is that like a in your opinion is that like a technique thing or is it like a size thing? Because Pickford's not the most sort of physically imposing goalkeeper, is he? He's not. Uh, no, he isn't, but, but neither is, say, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen or De Gea. Um, I, I think one of the problems that Pickford's having with that is he chooses the same technique every time. He comes in the, the starfish thing, the, the barrier, the cave barrier. Um, he, he very rarely, even when he's closer to the attacker, will you see him sort of plunging with arms to, to sort of win it off the foot of the attacker and uh, just always being upright and in that same technique. That that technique's really effective if you're right on top of the attacker, like a yard from them, and it's just much less so if you're further away. Now, Peter Schmeichel did it and got away with it because he was a bigger fella. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I, I think it's a combination of just that the, it's just difficult for him to play his best when, when things aren't good at the club. Is there, a, is there such a thing as a mental thing from, not that he's been great, most of the season but obviously what happened last season you know with the Rigi header as well could that play in his mind in such a big game they know the importance I mean the players would have known really the importance for Silva's job I'd say as well from Wednesday would yeah I, absolutely, a... I think so that's going to be a very bad memory from last season um, no one's ever forgetting that one I think that you saw two seasons ago Ederson had a little bit of a, a hoodoo going to Anfield he had two shockers there yeah. Um, and, he, and he seemed to put it right last season, not so much again this year, but um, that, that definitely could have been still weighing on his mind. And sometimes when you've got, when you feel like you've got something to prove, you, you, you know, one problem for goalkeepers is inserting themselves into the game where they don't really belong. And, and I think, yeah. again, that's what was happening with that first goal as he's, you know, come rushing off and not really timed it right. You see it a lot with Karius just now as well, even, even over in Turkey still running off his line loads it's like he's trying to become the goalkeeper he was because it's very hard to let it become natural you right force yourself back into that the headspace and the the confidence really and right that's that's the unfortunate thing about about goalkeepers if you're in a bad spell you have to wait for the opportunities to make saves and and if you try to force those opportunities you just make things worse so the joe hart went through this yeah. his last season or two at man city um, I'll take it back a, a couple generations with the Scottish connection when Jim Layton went to Manchester United and things started to go not so well there for him. The cup final. Um, it was similar. It was uh, Goalkeepers didn't play out of the box as so much as they, as they do now, but Jim came for crosses maybe he shouldn't have come for and just tried to do a little bit too much to establish himself, and it just made things worse in the end. And um, as wonderful as Jordan Pickford is that we could talk about him, uh, it's more fun to talk about Everson's pain. So, winless Anfield since 1999, and it's the first time they conceded four in the first half of a Merseyside derby since 1935. Um, Marco Silva went the very next day. Adam, I heard you on the podcast last week speaking quite some sense, actually, that it would be a bit of a waste of time appointing somebody now in the middle of this horrible run that they've got. 
Um, what are your thoughts on him going? Uh, a calm head is needed, so naturally Duncan Ferguson has been appointed. Your thoughts on that and who his replacement might be? Um, got no idea who his replacement's going to be. And what, like, it was just, <clears throat> there was always the risk that the, there was going to be a performance out there that was so desolate that they have no choice, but to it just, the level of incompetence from the, that it will be seen from the board to not make a change and get rid of him is too great when just the out of the time now. You're quite fortunate in the fact that it was a midweek round of games, so games come on quite quickly. There was never really going to be an opportunity to do anything uh, in time for this week's game coming up against Chelsea. So that's already three of those five games down anyway. Um the last one was Arsenal anyway. Maybe the the one you'd want if you're gonna have an opportunity, have a crack at any of those those five. So, in that regards, we're maybe three three quarters of the way there. So, I don't know. It depends how quickly they can do something now. You'd hope that they'd learn from the the mistakes of last time when they uh, there was a failure to a failure to plan a sort of a snap snap decision to to Sakum and no plan in place, and then. They got bent over a barrel by Sam Allardyce and had to give him a contract for far longer and far more money than they ever wanted to. Do you feel any... Uh, what's your emotion uh, at um, Marcus Silva? You never felt close to him like you have done with the managers or you just not bothered he's gone? Um, it was always sort of like a general... Uh, I, I was very... I was behind the uh, the appointment. I thought it, it was a, a good appointment and you, you kind of hoped, but... He's just the longer time's gone on, and the bigger sample size people have had to sort of um, assess his sort of impact, the, the or his performance, especially in England. The worse it's got, right? Yeah. It's not his stat lines don't look good for, uh, so you can't really have any sort of. Uh, you can't have too much of like the squad. There are problems with that squad, right? It's unbalanced and uh, it still needs work. And the, those are, are up there. They're forefront in sort of the minds of sort of the the hierarchy of the club. I don't think anyone is surprised about that. But there are just some you, in those sort of situations. You want to see your manager just getting the basics out of them, right? Yeah. Just getting getting the getting the bare minimum out of the squad you've got is what you expect and I'm not sure that was happening Okay, well look, Big Dunk's first game is at home to Chelsea in the Pat Nevin derby you're now in the bottom three um, but you've won six out of ten at home to Chelsea recently in the Premier League but Tammy Abraham, uh, he's, he's got nine goals on a Saturday, that's most ready player in the Premier League this season, how are you feeling about Saturday or tomorrow? Um like I said, we we can't play any decent centre half, and Tammy Abraham can't stop scoring. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Cheer him up, someone. It's not going to be that bad, is it? The new manager, maybe you know, the old manager's gone. Here comes Big Dunk. You're not going to want to let him down, are you? Yeah, I think. I mean, me and Adam said on last Friday that these next run of games is pretty much just a a write off. Any points you get, we're going to be a bonus. But I didn't quite see them being in the ball. I didn't realise how close they were. To the bottom three, forget how tight obviously it was down there. So, I mean, they don't want to see themselves like cut adrift, even at this stage. But um, 
Chelsea, I hate saying it, but Chelsea are looking good so far this season, and it's going to be a tough game. I mean, we're not we're not cut adrift by any mark, right? We if we, I, I I guess that these teams probably some of them play against each other, and it's impossible. But in theory, if we beat Chelsea on Saturday, we could be fourteenth. Okay, uh, Liverpool are away at Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth are without Harry Wilson, who can't play against his parrot club. Uh, Josh King is a doubt as well. Um, Liverpool will beat Bournemouth uh, the last four times they've played them by at least three goals. Right, two weeks ago when I was last on this podcast, Ali, uh, I put my chest out, shoulders back and said nothing can go wrong now and it didn't, so it's your turn. No, I'm not going to say that, ever. <laughs> so again, I, I said it last week, I'll say it on every podcast I'm on. I'm not going to say nothing can go wrong until there's one game to go and we are five points clear. <laughs> Fair enough. OK, uh, Bournemouth, of course, uh, they lost at home to Crystal Palace on Tuesday. Uh, Bournemouth had an extra man for 71 minutes after Sacco was sent off. Um, they've lost their last four in the Premier League. Justin, how difficult is it playing with 10 men against 11 and vice versa as well? Uh, how difficult is it playing with uh, 11 men against 10? Well, I mean, this is, I think, it's pretty I common. <laughs> it doesn't change when you're in goal, but yeah, I, I I think you some you know what's funny is if a player gets sent off early, yeah, like like halfway through the first half, sixty minutes to go or so, I th- I think that there's a couple of psychological effects that happen to even the highest level players, and and that and that's that the the side that's gone down to ten, seeing that massive task ahead of them to play with ten for so long, they tend to g themselves up and do it, and then on the flip side of that, the side that's just realized that they have a, a man advantage now for another 60, 70 minutes, they just assume it will go all right. Um, and, and you don't really see that so much when there's 10, 15, 20 minutes to go because the side that's gone down to 10 says, let's just get to the, the final whistle and they'll, and they'll bunker in and sit deep or whatever it is they need to do. Um, and it just felt like Bournemouth just were, were casual um, and Palace kept coming at them and Palace obviously have dangerous individual players. Uh, and so, it, you know, it, it should be a considerable advantage over that period of time, and you don't often. It isn't always. Okay. I mean, look, ten outfield players are never playing all at the same time ever. There's always somebody not involved in the game and standing around watching. Usually, it's you know. Gary um, Mina. Yes, exactly. I was going <laughs> to let you let you add an insert an Everton player there, but um, so it's not as if you've. It's more about the outlets, you know. If you if you're forced to play with ten and you're sitting deep, you haven't got an outlet so that you can stop defending at times. Hmm. Um, and that that's the difficulty of it of it over a longer period of time. I think there must, there must be a mentality thing there, like you said. If it goes down early, that sort of either you click into that right, okay, let's like sort of hunker down, sort of uh, all in it together, actually, or you think oh, this is going to be a lot of running? Oh. Yeah, I think that I think that that's where sometimes the the personality of the manager can have an effect. Um, the way teams respond to that kind of setback. Um, well, there's like, and then that great story you say that about Mourinho when he was Chelsea manager. I can't remember the game now when he he had it in his game plan. I think it was that they basically were absolutely drilled for. Uh, for playing with ten men, because he said he said to them like in a Champions League tie or something like this, oh this will happen, this happen, and then the referee's going to bottle it. He's going to send send one of us off, and the Chelsea players were just like, okay, this is fine, we're ready for this. 
what prepared yeah, apparently he did that at Inter when he had when he had Balotelli and 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 he was, was always another, at risk of getting sent off and they were pretty well drilled in how to play with ten. There's another great story about that where in the Champions League game where he got didn't he, he get booked in the first half and berated him at halftime. You cannot get another yellow card. Do not get another yellow card. Two minutes later, off him. <laughs> Spent the whole half time speaking to Balotelli. Ignored the whole team. Um, okay, the rest of the chasing pack then. Leicester 2, um, Watford 0, uh, Jamie Vardy with a penalty, and James Madison um, towards the end. A seventh consecutive Premier League win for Leicester. Uh, Jamie Vardy scored in his seventh game straight. Um, since Brendan Rodgers took over at Leicester, which is actually ironically a, a, a loss to Watford, um, they've taken 52 points from 24 games. That's an average of 2.16 uh, points per game. He's got himself a brand new contract today with our Arsenal interest. That's um, been conveniently timed for him. Um, they're only eight points behind Liverpool, Ali. Yeah, and Liverpool go there on Boxing Day, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, so we've not done very well there lately, have we? No, but we did beat them like six games ago. Three? They're still managed by Brendan Rodgers, the biggest bottle job in world football. Um... If you, if you think anything, anyone other than Man City are still the biggest threat to the league, then I'm I'm concerned for you. Um, I, I, they they will have a wobble. All teams will. It's just how they will react from it. Sounds like a man who's not learned his lesson from 2016. They will have one. They, the difference is in 2016. I think Leicester were topped from week four, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I honestly think this Leicester side is better than that one. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the difference is the opposition's much better now. I mean, yeah. everybody threw the league away in 2016. Yeah, that that season. Yeah, essentially, that was... everyone threw it away, but um, th- now they've got this this yeah. this Liverpool side that you just don't see where the points will be dropped. They they find they're so much easier to get at this season. Yeah. Liverpool they have been they were last year, and it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter that they. They more than do enough, and then on the games where they don't have it, uh, there's a little bit of late magic, and they they get a goal when they need it. So it'll I be up to somebody to take points off them. I, I, I believe Liverpool will will go through a wobble. You know, a couple of draws, a couple of defeats, maybe in a row as well. And and we will bounce back. We've got whether it be the mentality, we've got the level of player. Leicester, we don't know if they've got the mentality. I I, I doubt. I don't see it in Rodgers. I've never seen it from any club and his players are very young a lot of them is... are proven Premier League winners there a lot of the key players Vardy Schmeichel um... two of them just about those two yeah the, the one Vard, Vardy's got to stay basically fully fit all season says Virgil van Dijk Virgil van Dijk's been terrible so far this season is it going to make a difference like is it going to make a huge difference yeah, Liverpool have got a greater margin of error than anybody else because, you know, they. I look back to last season, Allison's first season in the league, and he had a fantastic season. He made a number of mistakes. Liverpool yeah. won every one of those games. He never made a mistake that cost his side. Not once. He made mistakes. He conceded goals. But, yeah. but it didn't it didn't matter and and there's always somebody else there's always a next man up at Liverpool and again I go back to the character of the manager and that he's so thoroughly infused that side with with 
his best characters characteristics, which I would caution you last four or five years. Well, look at look, just people get tired of them. Wednesday was a prime example of the manager with Lalana coming in, Shakiri coming in, both hadn't played a significant role all season, and Lovren's still starting, and Origi coming in. Like, I think we're forgetting that Everton is shit. <laughs> this is still a derby where the whole you know results go out the window, and if Everton had scored first, that would have been a nervy. It still would have been nervy regardless. Um, just watch Twitter when Richarlison did he equalise? No. Or was it 2-1? Right, yeah. But even at that moment, you know, it was still because it's still the derby, but Klopp as a manager, he like he has the players who will run through through walls for him. And that's why the likes of Lalana, Lovren, and even Shakiri and Origi to an extent now, just they, they've bought in as Justin says, <laughs> and that Whilst we're get we're being got at, they've just got that mentality, warrior spirit type. Mentality. Anyway, we're somehow talking about Liverpool again. I thought I got past it. <laughs> All right, well let's carry on to go at Leicester then, because their next game they're away at Aston Villa in the Julian Jochum derby. Um, Leicester's last three away games in the Premier League they won by an aggregate of thirteen goals to nil. Uh, though of course Aston Villa have got Trezeguet who scored in his last three games, including um, a an assist to his own goal if you saw the fact that he headed the ball onto his shin before it went in at Stamford Bridge you're shaking your head what are you shaking your head for because it shouldn't count as a goal for him I know he scored it but it shouldn't count like how is a goalkeeper supposed to do it like it's it reminded me and it's completely different but to the the Harry Kane goal he scored this season on the floor where he just swept it where a goalkeeper can't react to the stupidity of someone heading it onto their own feet so what are you saying that should be like disallowed because someone's so stupid yeah the stupidity <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, yeah, they uh, they lost two one to Chelsea. Um, that's the first time an Egyptian, like as I say, has uh, scored and assisted. Um, although to be fair, it was El Mohamedi that crossed the ball in. So, uh, okay. Should we um, booked for it as well? It should be on the sporting <laughs> Maybe he's an incredibly skillful player and did that uh, on purpose. No. No, he's not very good. He's a very good actor as well. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount scored, and they combined for um, for Mount's goal as well. I think it was a chest down from Tammy Abraham. Uh, Tammy Abraham has scored eleven goals in fourteen in the Premier League so far. So uh, they're hanging on in there, aren't they, Chelsea? And of course, they've had their transfer ban overturned today. The run, I think, from William will get massively overlooked in that Tammy Abraham goal, but the amount of space it put it just pulls those two centre-halves so far apart that Tammy Abraham could do a three-point turn in there. And yeah. They did just lose at home to West Ham at the weekend, didn't they? They did. They did. Yeah, I mean, it was good. It's a good midweek result, but... And you were just telling me that they lost six of the last eight at Goodison Park, so... No, you're right. No, you're right. But... <laughs> two minutes ago, you were trying to GM me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they've had their transfer ban overturned today, and looking at Chelsea Twitter, you would think they're signing everybody from uh, Bobby Charlton through to Neymar uh, come January. So I think they're quite excited that um, the Russian guy who's living in Israel, who's shown very little interest the last few months, is going to suddenly stick his hand in his pocket. Yeah, and there's only so much you can do in the in the January transfer window. There's been some. I, I think it's it's. There's been a couple of very good. Suarez was a a, a January signing. Vidic and Everett at Man United were Andy both Carroll. January signings. Andy Carroll, right? Most of them fall into that category. <laughs> yeah, 
No, I understand. Um, okay, but the rest of the chase. In fact, the Burnley won Manchester City for uh, Gabriel Jesus with two goals. Rodri and Mares. Uh, I think Raheem Ter Sterling tweeted he was very happy to get out of the way of um, Rodri's shot because it would have taken his head off. Uh, it's the first winning five in all competitions for um, for Manchester City. And Gabriel Jesus has got 32 goals. That's the third most in the Premier League for Brazilian behind... <laughs> Firmino. That's one of them. Come on, Ali. I'm looking at you specifically. I'll give you a clue. It's not Lucas. You've lost me on Brazilians. Felipe Coutinho. Oh. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, who saw this one? I saw the second half. Yeah. Man, Man City kind of looked back to Man City. Um, I mean, we knew the, we knew it would come. Um, but, you know, it just, I, I don't know, they just, they, it was, I think somebody had said Jesus hadn't scored in a while. Yeah. Um, but again, not getting a run of games, can't be easy for them with having Aguero as the, you know, first choice striker, but they look good, Rodri looks, a, I, I didn't see much of him when he was in Spain, but he looks a real class, real class player, very Biscuits-esque, um, but with attacking play as well it seems but they, they looked good Sterling they just looked like Man City you know just they weren't posed much threat in fairness um, but that's what Man City does to you Were Burnley rubbish or did Manchester City not allow them to play? Were Burnley were Burnley? Yeah. They roll over for Yeah over the big teams So the old turf more being a tough place to go that's a bit of a misnomer is it? it, it I mean I think, I think did Man City score early? Am I right in saying? Possibly. I, I, I thought you I thought Duncan Alexander tweeted about this this week, Chris. I thought you'd have been all over this. <laughs> about what? About Turf Moor not being a tough place to go. Do you know what I knew it was? I was just leaving it out there for you to grab hold of. <laughs> I knew I know exactly what I'm doing here. I've taken you to it, have I? Yeah. No, no, I, I was I was um I was sort of handing you the baton to run with. Right, I see what you wanted me to go was yeah, Chris. Normally it's really difficult and then you'd be like Ah, I've got no, I was, I was, you're an idiot. I was laying it off like Alan Shearer did to Teddy Sharing against Holland in Euro '96. I was, I was leaving an open goal for you. Ah, of course you are. Right, who'd like a quiz? I didn't hear you say who. Have the correct answers for the quiz. I yeah. have. You're very bitter from two years ago. <laughs> right, Riyad Mahrez is the ninth African to 50 Premier League goals. Who can name the other eight? Adebayo. Hang on, let me get my highlighter pen. Adebayo, yep. Yeah. Drogba. Hang on, Drogba, yeah. Mane. Uh, Mane, yep. Yeah. I should give the answer to the other, another one. Oh, Mo Salah. Yep. Chelsea centre midfielder. SCM. No. Yeah, Yaya Toure. Yaya Toure, yep. Shall I give you a clue? How many have we got? You have three to get. There you go. Leeds United, early days of the Premier League. You've got three more to get. Okay, I'll give you clues for one of them. Uh, for all of them. One of them is a Portsmouth and Arsenal legend. One of them is, is a Blackburn and Portsmouth legend. And one of them is a Wimbledon and possibly Norwich, I think, legend from uh, way back uh, then. Hmm? You, you, um... No, I'm Kukanu. Yeah, uh, Canu and 
Uh, Yakubu. Yeah, so you got one more to get. Let me just think. I think he definitely played for Wimbledon. I think he... Yakubu to me is an Everton player. That's where I would have got that from. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, his career is Sutton, Bournemouth, Bur- uh, Sutton, Bournemouth Norwich, Wimbledon, Grasshoppers, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday again, Brentford. Finished his career in 2003. Plays for Nigeria. Soli Matari. Efenikoku. Efenikoku. Would any of you got Efenikoku if we no. carried on that quiz? No. <laughs> Good. I'm cracking. I'm glad I ended it there. All right. Okay. My, so my big story is I might have said Lukaku when I was trying to remember. Um, <laughs> trying to remember um, Yakubu's name. Don't say. Don't say Chris Smalling. No, That's going to say. We're going to talk I'm, about that in a bit. <laughs> I think I might paint myself as a bit racist, but at least I can get a job in the Italian media. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, next up for Manchester City, they're at home to United as the the United they beat Spurs two one. Uh, Deli Ali scored a rather wonderful goal for um, for Spurs. Either side of a Rashford double. Uh, everyone liked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ruffling Jose Mourinho's hair at the end there. Um, what to talk about other than Deli Ali scored a really nice goal? Has anyone got anything they want to say about this? Rashford's getting praised as this like lethal finisher, yet the Spurs goalkeeper basically threw it in the net. Now, Justin, talk about near posts, letting goals in near posts. I don't think that's uh, a problem, right? He hit that so hard. Oh, not a real thing. The the Mascazaniga's mistake wasn't that it went in the near post, it was that it went in under his hand. Yeah. So had it had it been across him to the far post but gone under his hand the same way, it's the same mistake. The the reason it's always jumped on is that by definition the near post the ball the ball's relatively close to the goalkeeper. So it's because it's coming from an angle and you're over by the near post and you get beat there, it's by definition it's close to you and so it's gone through you in most cases. Sometimes I can think of a lot of goals. Chris, you may remember Torres beat Man United one year at Anfield by by finishing high to the near near post hmm. from close range over Edwin van der Sar. There's nothing the goalkeeper can do in a situation like that. Gazaniga should have done better in this case for sure, but it isn't because it was necessarily to his right. It was just close to him and went under his hand. He had a blinder after that. Hmm. But uh, that's so hard. And f- from a slightly... Unorthodox. Like, I don't think you're, you're, everyone's fully expecting him to shoot from there. And he, did, of... he did. He hit it in this way that players strike a ball now, where it's tumbling and sort of dipping down, and then the bounce makes it a little bit unpredictable. And, and it's funny because the, the cleaner a player hits a ball, if they hit that, that beautiful, clean strike with backspin, it's actually relatively easy to deal with for a goalkeeper. But when they've hit it in this way that a lot of them are trying to hit it now, it can make it more difficult, but yeah, guys, guys, Niga should have done better there. I, I have a controversial take about Manchester United, mm-hmm. and that is that if you if you took those exact same players and this was a team that wasn't the Manchester United uh, of the '90s and the '00s, they would be seen as a half decent side right now in a difficult away for sure, and not the easiest points at home. They're not half bad. They're, there's I still don't know. I, I would, under no circumstances, say Solskjaer is the right man for the job long term. But he's brought in some young players that are that are half decent, and they're not easy to play against now. They, they do have players that will run at you and try to try to force you to defend and get you pinned back a little bit. Um, is the mixture right all the way across the pitch? It's definitely not. You know, Pereira and Fred were pretty good against Spurs, and so they had a pretty good result and a good perform, a pretty good performance and a good result. 
they haven't been that good. There hasn't been a lot of balance in the midfield, certainly since since Pogba hasn't been there. But overall, they're judged by what they once were, and they're just not that. Probably aren't going to be that for uh, the foreseeable future. But right now, in terms of the league, they're not necessarily three of the easiest points anyone's going to get. And um, it's, a, it's a difficult away again for, for teams to go to Old Trafford. Is, is it a difficult game when they feel like it, though? Because um, I saw some stuff. There was a lot of stuff on Twitter going around. I think it was after the Sheffield United game. Of sort of, I think it was picking on Martial and quite deservedly when you sort of like that. Sometimes there's just a lack of seems a lack of appetite, and his there was his movement was non-existent. And midfield players are only as good as sort of the the options they're being given ahead of them, right? If in yeah, players. I, I always. Yeah, I, I think that's valid. I, I always there's there's always players like like Martial that that even their their best effort maybe this isn't the case with him, but go back to say Dimitar Berbatov, where his best effort still looks languid. He's he's just that kind of player, uh, and so you never really know how much he's giving you. Turned out with Berbatov, that probably was it, um, because he never really went higher than that necessarily in terms of work rate. That just was his work rate. Martial is. Very languid. He looks unbothered. He he seems casual in everything he does. He's very talented. He's a very good footballer. He's a very good attacking player. He doesn't seem determined to beat his man and get a shot on target every time he gets the ball at his feet. Uh, so it's just the way it looks. I don't know if he is or he isn't, but it doesn't particularly look like he is, and so it's pretty easy to, to come to that, that conclusion. Okay. Um. Ali, you were saying about Marcus Rashford earlier on, that's nine goals and two assists in his last ten games for Manchester United. I, I, it's, it's taken nothing away from him as a player. I, I think he's very talented and I think he's a great forward. Um, but? Just the, the media praise when it was such a terrible goalkeeping display for the goal was more my issue. Um, but like even going back to what... I, I don't believe that when you look at Man United squad, they, they are a poor team whatsoever. They're easily a... Could be challenging top four, but definitely that fifth, sixth best team in the league with the, with the players they've got. I, I, I think me and Adam said it last week. There's no identity in the club anymore. I, I don't believe Solskjaer's the manager for it. I don't see anything about it. I mean, even with it's hard to say even if he's the reason that like Martial's not got anything because he was very similar under Mourinho as well. But you know, the whole squad seemed to be under um, Mourinho, but. I mean, everybody's looking at Martial as a, you know, a real talent. And, I mean, I think every squad should have one or two players, you know, not luxury words, maybe not the right the right word, but, you know, if you've got nine or eight outfield players who are hardworking and with ability as well, and you've got two real luxury players, you know, you can get away with that. But the, the reason Martial's then looking so poor, if he's one of those luxury players, is the... The lack of, as Adam says, effort in some games from other players around, and it's like, I mean, they all seemed like they had a point to prove. We we Jose um, on when Wednesday, yeah, um, and yet at the weekend against Sheffield United, the whole team was just very lackluster, and I mean, it's easy to pinpoint on a one one or two players when they just. Like I think we again, it was something we hadn't said about Arsenal as well. They just they've got so little identity, and it's just like 
lack of effort, and that's that's the one thing should, that should always be there. Okay. Um, Adam, uh, Spurs have conceded eight and four under Jose. Uh, this was their his first loss, but that's not a great statistic, is it? First loss, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. What? You talk about all the goals that Liverpool conceded, but not lost any games, have they? Uh, no, but you'd expect Jose Mourinho to come in, and with given his pedigree as a coach, you'd expect him to be able to sort out a defence in reasonable time, wouldn't you? Okay. Is, is I might be two, a bit harsh on him. Is two weeks a reasonable time? And you no. <laughs> okay. Over two weeks. When I... when have you done the coaching in that time? I had any time to coach those players in in any training session in between from when we talked about his appointment two Fridays ago? Mm. They they what played that weekend? Played in the Champions League? Played the following weekend? I just like say, I just like saying mean things about Jose Mourinho. Well, I'm not trying to suck up to Jesse. <laughs> Real well. All right, and then look. Okay, we'll move on to the, the uh, derby. The Martial is back fit. Um, City have won 15 versus Manchester United in the Premier League, but 10 of those have come in the last eight years. So it's all, they're also pretty recent, um, including 3-1 and 2-0 wins last season. Um, but United are unbeaten in five versus last season's top six. So... Um, is it going to be like last season or is it going to be like the season before when um, City were 2-0 up and lost 3-2 to United? Paul Pogba's still not fit, so... It won't be like that then? It won't be like that. Okay, can you swap Paul Pogba for somebody else? Not Fred. <laughs> Brandon Williams. Uh, okay, who are you all going for a City win, are we? Yeah, I mean, Ali alluded to it earlier, I think. For whatever reason, however long it took, I think City are rounding into something like their their old selves, and I think they are ready to make one last push at getting themselves back in something that, that resembles a title race, and that means winning. As soon as every as soon time, Fabiano said that it's stupid to start thinking, talking about to talk about the title. You knew that the, he was only really thinking about the title. He was yeah. straight in that changing room afterwards, <laughs> talking about the title. <laughs> Okay, um, and I suppose they're at home to Burnley. Uh, Ashley Barnes is back, uh, which is good news for my fancy team. Um, Spurs won seven out of eight versus Burnley at home. Um, and Son has got eight goals and five assists in the new stadium in all competitions, so he's had the best record of any player there so far. Um, are we going to go for a Spurs win in that one with two more goals conceded? Yeah, why not? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> They're playing Burnley. It's hard to get enthusiastic about the game. You know, it's not going to be a great tactical battle. It's just it's going to be one of those games. Jose against Sean Dyke isn't really like going to doesn't float Ali's boat. Yeah, no. I've kind of been spoiled with with football the last couple of seasons. It's not a regain Shakiri lead in the line, is it? Well, thankfully they won't play at the weekend either. They're done, so <laughs> you'll not see them again till May, maybe. You're a horrible, horrible man, you know. In fact, wait a minute. We've got the World Club Cup coming up. They might get a game in that. Yeah? Or are they getting left at home for the Aston Villa game? That's <laughs> what I would do. No, I think they're both on the plane. I had a look um, at the squad this week. Such a shame. You're horrible. You really are. I'm going to amplify it now just because I know how much they mean to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> I might even get a T-shirt made. As long as it's not a Christmas one, I'll happily see that. Such a humbug. <laughs> um, 
Okay, right, European leagues. Uh, over in Spain, Real Madrid playing Espanyol, uh, Barcelona play Mallorca, Valladolid play Real Sociedad, and Osasuna play Sevilla. Uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid are top on 31 points each, Sevilla on 30, and Sociedad on 26 points. In Italy, it's currently 0-0 between um, Inter Milan and Roma. Um, Inter are top on 37 points, uh, a point ahead of Juventus. Um, then third place is Lazio. Juventus and Lazio play each other on, th- on 30 points. Uh, and everyone's favourite racist team, Calgary, on 28 points. Now, speaking of racism, who has seen Corriere della Sport? Um, I'd say before this week, I'd only really remembered it from James Richardson eating an ice cream while reading headlines from it back in the Gazzetta Football or Italia days. But it seems to have made a reappearance this week, doesn't it, guys? Yeah. For all the wrong reasons. It, it, the amazing thing to me about it is, that, is there some shortage? Of, have, have there not been black players in Syria? I mean, what, <laughs> what is it about this that they found headline worthy? I don't understand it. it it's, it, it's obviously yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, and they've doubled down on it. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes, I've seen that. <laughs> they, they responded by saying the classic, the classic. No, you're the racist. Yeah. Well, he played the, um, I can't remember the name of the editor, unfortunately, but um, the whole piece, the whole Black Friday headline was supposed to be a positive sort of recognition of the, these that, two that, prominent black players. True, but, and that's my point. That's, and my point is, why would it need that? If you meant it in a positive way, uh, are these the only two, two black players in the league? I mean, historically, there's been fantastic black players going back to Saki's Milan and and before that even, but but I don't understand where the novelty factor is where they thought it merited that. Do you know what? I'm not trying to make excuses for him or anything like that. I'm only thinking, if you think back to... <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> no, <but> yeah, only... <laughs> okay, coming from this guy's point of view, the only thing I think of is uh, Lukaku was racially abused at Calgary this season, wasn't he? And maybe right. in some very strange way, the newspaper was trying to show him in a positive aspect or show his blackness in a positive aspect um, for the game this week. I'm clutching at straws, I understand. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the editor came back and said that those responding, uh, bearing in mind Lukaku and Smalling both responded on Twitter, uh, the editor said that those responding online were full of quote-unquote poison and their their paper was getting lynched. Which again is a fantastic terminology in the context of that. better word choice there. Yeah, well done. (laughs) Uh, okay, what else have we got? In Germany, uh, Russia went to Gladbach at top on 28 points. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig second on 27. Schalke in third on 25. Schalke managed by anybody? Huddersfield legend David Wagner. Uh, and Bayern Munich in fourth place on 24 points. So, uh, Red Bull play Hoffenheim, Leverkusen play Schalke, and its first versus fourth as Gladbach take on Bayern Munich. Um, what else have we got in France? It is PSG top of 36 points, uh, a game in hand and five points ahead of uh, Marseille. Um, who saw the lovely back heel from Kylian Mbappe this week as uh, PSG won 2 0? No, no, very wonderful. It's worth checking out. Uh, Bordeaux third on 26 points. Who saw the Bordeaux Ultras this week? They ran onto the pitch uh, and stopped the game for 20 minutes to complain about the, the team's recent poor performance, bearing in mind the team a third, and the team went on to win the said game 6-0. So obviously provided some sort of inspiration there. Uh, so it's Marseille versus Bordeaux on, on Sunday night, and then Montpellier versus PSG. Um, Adam? Yeah? A-League? Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a Melbourne derby. It's Western United versus Melbourne victory. So best up Borussia is, is facing his former team there. So uh, that would be good. And also it's the, the Vine derby in Austria. It is Rapid Vienna versus Austria Vein. That's the biggest game in Austria, apparently. Excellent. There you go. Uh, of course, Emma can go see that because she's there this week. What have we got? In other news, okay, so the transfer ban has been overturned for Chelsea. Guys, what effect do you think this is going to have on the season come January? No. Uh, it all depends on how they approach it, I guess. Um, Are they going to go mad, do you think? Yeah. I don't think so. Well, carry on, Adam, you go first. Why would they? What, what, what's sort of today? Everything's going well, right? And they're not spending. Putting out a good squad, just growing together. They've not had to do anything crazy. There's not really any sort of obvious deficiency in that squad. Why would they do anything? You don't think there's like a big hole burning in their pocket from the summer or something? No. No? Ali? No, I pretty much agree with Adam. Um, I mean, if they could see maybe a player or two for a position, if Frank's maybe got one that they feel, you know, they could improve on, but they're at that they're at that line where they've got a really good squad balance um, and camaraderie. We, every player seems to get along. And you can't say that all the time about Chelsea of recent. So it'd be, it's one of those that would be quite risky to start inserting, you know, if it's like a high-profile player or... Um, it's they, they definitely can improve in certain positions. Left-back, for one, I feel they should be looking at strength for them, but... You'd, you'd, it's that again. It's that. It's just that balance. Do you really want to go and when everything's going so well? Do you want to go and upset it? Um, it may be maybe more if if players leave. Um, again, I don't know why they would though. You know, everybody's bought into to Lampard's plan so far. Um, okay. Um... More Manchester United news. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has had a slight dig at Manchester City, saying he's pleased to, uh, he's looking forward to uh, managing against them because when he played, um, it took five years from signing to actually play a game against Manchester City uh, due to their league position. Um, and apparently, the players have been appealing to Edward with this week to um, ask him to keep Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Of course, I do. Probably comes in every day and rubs their tummies for them. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, okay. I can see your point on that one. He's, he's not exactly what you'd imagine as a strict disciplinarian, is he? Right. Okay. Uh, Amazon have said they're quote-unquote thrilled and privileged after this first week. Um, did either of you use Amazon to watch any of these games? Yeah, watch every night I watch the game. and It's, it's definitely, whether it happens or not, it should be the future of some sort where subscription-based... Even if it was more club, you know, individual specific, I mean, I think we'd all agree we'd much rather spend, say, ten pound a month subscribing to all our own teams' games rather than what fifty, sixty pound a month to get Sky Sports and. Well, someone, someone, did, Watford. someone did suggest uh, if the Premier League launched their own streaming service, um, that might be quite an idea to show all the games via themselves. Yeah, Colin did about five years ago. Oh, did he? Yeah. Who? Who? I've not heard of this person. He's not wrong, and I'm sure they'll do it. Other sports do it. Yeah. The NFL do it. If if that was the only way to legally watch the Premier League globally, I can't even imagine how many subscribers they would get. They would. Somebody on Twitter was saying, "Why would they do that? They sold the rights to Sky for five billion 
pounds. Netflix have 130 million subscribers around the world paying nine, ten pound a month, right? Do the math. They make a couple billion a month. So if, if that was the only way to do it, my goodness, the numbers they would get. If a grumpy IT engineer in, in Essex has thought about this, then surely uh, Pete Scoodwell must have done. Well, really good one. He's not been there for 18 months, mate. How many illegal streams are getting streamed Saturday at 3 o'clock? It's getting... It, yeah, it's it's harder to find. I mean, this this is how we used to watch everything. Um, I, I would pay a, a reasonable amount, a Netflix-like amount, before I would do the illegal streams thing because they're just so unreliable and so bad and you get spammed by ads and all that. So there's definitely a lot still out there, but I, th I think you'd get plenty of people signing up and paying for it if that was the only way to do it. I'm, I'm sure we'll go we'll go to that it's one day. Okay. How did you find the experience of using Amazon then? I, I thought it was all right. Um, I, some of the, the commentator duos were questionable, um, but I thought that there was no real being a stream obviously you always under that you know the, there was a there was a big delay from live time i think it was about a minute a delay so you were seeing it pop up on your phone or that but i mean you just turn notifications on your phone or you turn your phone away if you're getting a clear stream you know there was no there was no lag or no buffering or anything like that i thought it was all clear concise uh, I mean, they could probably update, upgrade the imagery, but I'm also watching on an Xbox, you know. But I've, again, no issue whatsoever. No different to watching it on Sky or or ITV. So what I enjoyed about it, particularly, is that I didn't actually watch any of it live. I watched it later because I was out, and so you had the option to just go into the app, and you have. Uh, just a multitude of options of watching the whole game, watching highlights, extended highlights, just at a click of a button. Um, I watched it on my through my smart TV. Um, for a stream, it was quite good. You still have the you still have a bit of picture issue, but that's just how streaming and um, compression works on, on video. But it was as good as it could be, right? And I think that people are going to complain about the lag, like you said, but that's because People don't know how to be in the moment anymore. So, did either of you use the um, crowd only option instead of commentary? No, no, because that's gone down quite well. Mm. So, so you might pretty... be in a minority on this, but I, I generally like commentary if it's if it's done yeah. well. Hmm. Ali McCoy's did the Liverpool game, and I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. He uh, came so... across very well in the World Cup last year. People were saying lots of nice things about him in last year's World Cup. Well, he's he, came across, he came across. He came across pretty well in the Cotton Club in 1988 when I ran into him there. <laughs> Later, the the same night that he scored, uh, I think against Norway to put Scotland in the World Cup last time they went, and they were back in in Glasgow that night and at the Cotton Club. <laughs> uh, I can only imagine the state he was in. <laughs> we'll see Barker with him. <laughs> Uh, okay, Saudi Arabia have beat uh, host club Qatar in the 1-0 in the Gulf Cup 2019 semi-final where they'll play Bahrain in the final. Um, Macclesfield versus Crew has been postponed due to Macclesfield players uh, not receiving their wages. Um, they're refusing to play uh, and their mental well-being is quote-unquote rock bottom as they say in a statement, um, which is pretty sad news, isn't it? So it could be another berry on the cards, unfortunately. Uh, apparently Sol Campbell has sold £108,000 as well, so there's deep financial issues there. Um, 
<laughs> not like Sol Campbell to to, to <laughs> every last penny he's owed from <laughs> about to go to the wall. He also, in a very odd PR move, um, backed HMRC's petition to wind them up. Does that mean he, he get his money? He, uh, it might help him get some of his money, I suppose. But essentially, man, he's come out and gone, yeah, yeah, I, I agree that the football club should not exist anymore. He's a Tory, though, isn't he? Well, he's a lot of things. <laughs> uh, okay, um, Adam. What? Balland- don't say it like that. This is good. Well, I don't know what's going to come on. Last, just a minute ago, you went from Saudi Arabia to <laughs> Macclesfield, like, like a... In the oddest turn I've ever seen, so I don't know what this is going to be about. I should have had my own holiday show on BBC One. <laughs> uh, okay, Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Uh, let me ask a, a genuine question: How are football matches decided? With eleven players. Do people vote on who wins a match or a tournament? Is there voting involved? Well, why do we care that this is? A, it, it's not a. It's not a competitive. It, Listen, that you're going to get me on. I can see where this would get into the ashes, but there's not <laughs> there's not genuine competition involved here. So you say it's great for Messi, fantastic. He's the he's the player of our generation. Um, who cares? A rapist. Uh, the the story that Lloris Hugo Lloris got a vote for third from Togo. That's that's almost interesting enough to make me care because it's absurd, but I don't care. It's as good as Sri Lanka voting Trent Alexander Arnold as that number one. That is good. Listen, some of the balls he hits across the pitch to his to the other fullback, that's great. <laughs> Either of you two care that it wasn't Virgil van Dijk? What's that name in the no. back of your shirt, Ali? It's, it's Virgil. Virgil number <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with, with Justin. I just don't care about these individual awards. Just um, They're popularity contests. They always are. Even like the the club ones. Like I don't care about the club's individual awards either. Um, to me, the only ones that matter are the trophies that will come home at the end of the season. Yep. Yeah. The team. best the best proof that, that they're popularity contests, Chris, is that you've never won one. That's because nobody heard of me. That's my point. Should a webcam be installed in my local leisure centre on a Wednesday night between nine and ten? Then I'm, you know, you will be right up. Yeah, I'm gonna buy myself a bow tie for next year. Yeah, uh, Adam, you were gnashing your teeth a little bit there when Ali was talking. No, yeah, I wasn't. I was like, I agree, agree with both of them. Yeah, yeah, especially a public like the. At least it's not a public vote. It's not as bad as goal of the month. <laughs> <laughs> or any any poll that Sky Sports News puts up on a uh, goal of the month. Should we give it to a, an Arsenal player? No. Should we give it to a Man United player? No. Probably a Liverpool player then. Yeah. Probably one of those three, right? <laughs> Public vote. Liverpool players do score goals. They ah, do. I'm so do, so do all teams, Chris. But <laughs> maybe one day, you know, it would it would be good if the former Liverpool players could get jobs in the media. I know to help, sort of like yeah, the imbalance and sort of the the agenda against them is just. But you know what's funny about that, since I opened that can of worms, even that doesn't matter. Because people will say that, you know, United supporters or, or Everton supporters or City, whatever, it's all they're all ex-Liverpool players and match of the day and commentary positions and all that. Well, they don't let them run down on the pitch as a 12th man. It doesn't help anything. It, it doesn't matter if you get glowing coverage or, or not. It, it doesn't really change the competitive balance. I can understand being irritated by it. Apparently, internally in Man City, it really irritates them. 
Is it? Yeah. Why? Well, I just think that they feel that they don't have... They don't have cheerleaders. Sort of they, like someone, yeah, fighting their yeah. corner, sort of in the Maybe they don't, but they still have winner's medals. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would be more irritated with the Gallagher brothers hanging around. Yeah, absolutely. I did hear a little rumor. If you start singing. I, I have heard a few things on Twitter that Noel Gallagher actually wasn't a Manchester City fan until Oasis were formed, and he thought, you know, I could make myself a little niche here to sort of look popular or make us look quite laddy and appeal to a particular market and stuff. But why would you I not one on shot that evolution? Sorry, one of you. I don't, I don't. That doesn't make any sense. Why in that situation, if you're if you're just about to form what becomes one of the the biggest bands in the world at the time, would you not think to try and leech off the popularity of the biggest football club in the world at that time as well? Look, that's why, the whole. You're from Manchester. If you could, all the clubs you could pick. At that time, in their sort of well, isn't that the reason he's picked City over Man United? Well, but it's supposed to, if you if the idea is that this is some sort of PR exercise, and it's all sort of uh, dis, really disingenuous. Well, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much PR, but just there. an image thing. Yeah, of going for the the, the less obvious choice. Yeah. The hipster, cool alternative before. Yeah. Yeah. You got to bear in mind this is a time when indie bands didn't really get to number one in the charts. You know, they didn't even get into the top twenty most of the time. So what? So harnessing the backing of Manchester City fans is going <laughs> to achieve that? They're a vocal group. I think that's rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, okay, yeah, so time for the rest of the Premier League now. Uh, Southampton 2, Norwich 1. Danny Ings and Ryan Bertrand score for Southampton. Timo Pukki scored for uh, Norwich. Southampton out of the bottom three, thanks to um, you generous people in uh, the other side of Stanley Park. Um, Norwich had two chances to equalise. Sam Byron missed a couple, so they're unlucky there. But uh, I, th- I kind of find this worryingly for Southampton. James Wood-Prowse or, uh, or Danny Ings have scored in the last 10 Premier League games for Southampton. Um... I find that worrying because are they spreading their goals too thinly? They've got a fairly clinical striker. Um, I don't see the the issue. They're they don't, they're not blessed with a lot of quality. Um, not even saying that Ings has got much quality, but he he scores goals when he gets the chance. And Ward Prowse is one of those players who, in the mid nineties, early two thousands, would have been at a top club. Mm. It's just the way formations and tactics have gone. He's kind of kind of doesn't have a position that kind of suits him anymore. He's kind of like the old-fashioned right midfielder, where because he's too slow to be a winger, maybe not, you know, as like technical in the way Raheem is, um, and he's not really big and strong enough to be that centre midfielder now that people play as the three. Um, so he's kind of like a throwback player. Um, and he's incredible at set pieces, and I suppose that's, that's surely just a positive for a team like Southampton, who, you know, have got to play his strengths, and that's really what they're doing with those two players. Okay, well, he scored for his fourth successive game, Danny Ings did. Uh, only two Southampton players have scored in five successive Premier League games. Who's going to have a go at this one? Matt Letizia. That's a gimme, that one, isn't it? Danny <laughs> Wallace. No. The boy signed for Liverpool. Striker. No. Smart. Are you man no? No. James BT. James BT, Everton oh, legend. There you go. Evan. There you go. Uh, okay. Um, 
So Southampton are away at Newcastle. Um, they've lost one out of four at home to Southampton of Newcastle, so they do okay against them. And of course, they win in midweek against Sheffield United. Right? Who saw the highlights of this game? I'm not sure what you're getting talking about. Southampton, sorry, Southampton <laughs> versus. Sorry, sorry, I'm talking about. Sorry, I'm talking about Sheffield United nil. Newcastle yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it. We're, we're probably going to talk about the second goal. Aren't yeah. We? <laughs> Has yeah. anyone seen this one? Yeah, I saw it. Go ahead. You describe it. Yeah, so um, it was definitely onside. Line's been flagged offside. So the Sheffield United players stopped. Um, Dean Henderson's the goalkeeper, isn't he? He sort of half stopped. And John Joe Shelby rolled it into the net. Henderson was doing that thing where he's not sure if he's trying or not. Yeah. Because the, the linesman flag linesman's flag went up straight away. It wasn't for Shelby, it was for Andy Carroll who flicked it on. The thought was that he was offside, he wasn't. And uh but the referee never blew his whistle and, and it, it's just a thing now that players are having a difficult time understanding that, that the linesman flag no longer means anything in the run of play. It just it doesn't matter. You have to play to the whistle. And um, they were extremely upset about it. And I don't like it. I don't think anyone likes it. I, I, I think it feels disqualifying to me if the linesman raises his flag that we that we play on. But but that's that's the law now. And you play to the whistle. And I think everyone's been taught that since they were a kid. So I understand why. And and it was worse actually for Henderson because it was so far up the pitch. Was, Andy Carroll's flick on was just a few yards inside midfield. So. He's clearly going to see the linesman raise his flag. It's not like it was way down by the corner flag or something. Um, he saw the flag raised. Half half the Sheffield United team stopped. John Joe Shelby went and put it in the goal, and, and it counted as a goal. Am I right in thinking that the linesman got this wrong, Ali, in that he raised his flag? I thought they were told to keep their flags down until the play, that sort of section of play had ended. A hundred percent. I'm not hundred percent sure we, the way the Premier League are doing it. Premier League are not doing VAR the same way as everybody else seems to be. No. Um, I think when you're that far up the park, unless, unless you're a hundred percent sure, I don't think you should put your flag up. Just especially now when they're all checked by VAR anyway. But I mean, the key point that Justin mentioned is why are they stopping? They're Premier League football players. Like, yeah. It's always been the law of the game. You, you play to the whistle. The referee can can overrule. Th- th- these officials are talking to each other over the, the comm microphone. So the, the linesman's put his flag up for offside for... Was it Andy Carroll you were saying for the flick on? Yeah. He's saying then Andy Carroll either hasn't touched it or he feels he's on. Then he, the referee's not going to blow the whistle. That, that The whole reason he let it go. Now, can you imagine if... I mean, what, what was the official verdict? Was he offside or what... Yeah. He was not offside, he was onside. Right, so uh, so yeah. can you imagine if the referee had then given the offside, the controversy that would have been surrounded and the abuse that the officials would have then took after it, which goes back to what you were saying, Chris, why not just leave your flag down, inform the referee that there might be one there, and knowing that you're going back to look at it. But again, ultimately, it comes down to Sheffield United Make us really schoolboy era, proper schoolboy stuff. I don't know. Yeah, we, we mentioned, and Ali, you mentioned, like, uh, or uh, Chris, you asked, aren't they supposed to maybe not raise the flag unless they're certain? My point would be, why raise it ever at all? Why don't we, if if this is how it's going to be legislated by by video review, 
Why I... have the linesmen ever raised the flag for offsides? They should oh. simply not do it any longer. They they do have the headsets, so he have... says they can just say to the referee, he may be off there, but they let it go, they let it play. I, I think that what maybe the one thing you, you, we're going to find is, you know, there's the potential then for unnecessary injuries by them letting these go. Uh, there's a then clash with the goalkeeper in a 1v1 or something, somebody gets hurt, and then video shows it was it was clearly offside. But I, I, they're going to keep changing it every year, and they'll keep not getting it right because, you know, if, we, if you go back 150 years, this wasn't what offside was meant to determine. It wasn't meant to determine if somebody's knee was was three inches past the defender's toe. It was It was to stop people hanging at either end of the pitch behind the back four. Um, and so as long as they're determined to get it 100% right in every case uh, down to the last millimeter, they'll keep changing it and they're never going to come up with something that satisfies everybody. I think Adam may have been listening to the same podcast I've been listening to this week because he made a very good point just there. I may have spoken over him. That's all right. It was, uh, why do we have linesmen at all in these brave new worlds? Well, to, to determine who's throwing it is. That, that's really it. I mean, the, the, just, it, on the it, park, in corners, me... yeah. They're, they're they're there to assist the referee. That's why the name's been cha- changed. Right. Assistant yeah, they don't need that. They've got the video referee now. Yeah, but they still don't spot a foul. What, they can spot a foul for the referee to get. Yeah, no, they they can help with that. And the headsets, yeah. I, I think the headsets are a big help with that. Where they yeah, can, absolutely. It, I think that helps the centre referee to genuinely have someone to talk to during the match. Give them feedback on what's happening, <laughs> but 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 take offside out of it then, and just have them assisting with first of all throw-ins. Who's throwing? Is it corner, corners, um, and then helping them spot fouls and violent play and sendings off and things like that. But if offsides is going to be determined ultimately by by video review every goal, why well, have them interrupting play by raising a flag and having situations like this? I mean, I again. You know, the, the Premier League footballers should know to play to the whistle, but at the same time, they've spent 20 years of their lives leading up to now stopping when you see the linesman's flag because that was always valid. That was always that all, that, that essentially went hand in hand with the whistle. And even and if now, you see the flag, even if you see the flag go up, right? You, like you said, that you're conditioned. So even if you're right, right, play to the whistle, play to the whistle. It's still, I've seen the flag go up. Hold yeah. on, play to the whistle. You still had that split second where. You've had to think, don't stop, because I've seen the flag, carry on. And by that point, the players run, run beyond you. Yeah. I just don't see the... the I, it might be too radical a change, but I don't see the point in having linesmen flag for offsides at all now. And it's it's well, amazing to me how often they're right. They're, they're right. It's, it's, it's so amazing because it's a very difficult thing to do. They're right an overwhelming percentage of the time, but it's still... Even the right cases still get validated by video, so... Why do they even need to be made in real time? Well, that's the simpler answer, yes. I'm better. Uh, well, yeah, Chris it, is, it is. Chris Wilder might agree with you. He said, quote, unquote, the game has changed and it's sucking the life out of me. Um, I tell you who didn't have the life sucked out of him, Sam Maximum. He has finally scored. Um, it was his 17th shot for Newcastle and he hadn't scored for Nice with his previous 46 shots. So there's a happy boy. And it came with his head as well, which is not something you'd expect. Huh? Did you just call him Sam Maximum? Sam Maximum. Oh, uh, okay. Couldn't hear you properly. It's not my Atletico thing, don't worry. I <laughs> like, like you were going to like, like, he was like Sammy. No, no, no. 
And uh, he was until that goal. He was he was the answer, the rebuttal to the phrase "you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take." He missed 100 percent of the ones he did take. And Martin Dubravka played very well, didn't he? In this, yes, he did. A couple of very good saves. Yeah, he's a very good keeper. And Sheffield United are at home to Norwich and the Robolathon Derby. Uh, team of Puky with eight goals and three assists in 15 games Max, makes him sound quite prolific. But I think a lot of those came in August, didn't they? Yeah, he had four in the first three, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Not those scored. still count, Chris. They still count, but they're not counting for a while, is my point. I mean, add, add, add up all the goals that Billy Sharp scored at that time, Chris. That's true. Not as many, is it? Yeah, it's not as many, is it? Um, Sheffield United away uh, in the Premier League this season have won one and drawn six. They've not gone and beaten in their opening eight games of a season since 1899 to 1900 season, um, when Adam was 28. Um, and we go to the Emirates now. Uh, Arsenal 1, Brighton 2. Um, don't know his first name. Somebody called Webster scored uh, for Brighton. Alexander Lacazette equalised. And then Neil Mopé, who seems quite a very sort of underrated player he yeah, he grabbed the winner um, David Luiz had a goal ruled out for VAR right flick it was an offside but that was hell of a finish um, Adam did you pop down and see your local team no was it busy could get in though could you no okay. there would be free tickets no one wants to go see that absolute shower do they <laughs> was it busy could you could you tell last week um, when there was hardly anybody at the Emirates for the for the Euro Europa League game? I, I wasn't at home so I couldn't tell the difference, no. Oh, okay. Uh, Justin, you were saying pre-record. You might have a few things to say about Arsenal. I watched it. And right. It was an amazing game to watch. Absolutely amazing. You talk about a team that don't have any coherent ideas, either with the ball or, or out of possession. And Two elements. <laughs> a weird combination of, of arrogance and fear. I've never seen anything like it. There are Arsenal have players on the pitch who who feel they're above playing for Arsenal, and they feel Arsenal are above their position in the league table, and neither of those things are true. And then there's a few players that are sort of petrified by what's been happening, the results, and the, and they're playing with fear and making terrible decisions, and and it's an utter mess. And and the the, the amazing thing about the the game is that Brighton were the better side in almost every aspect of it, and they. they when they went ahead, then they, they, they sort of got maybe just that little bit nervous about holding on to a lead, and they, they, they sat deep, and they did invite some, some pressure. But it, um, it does make me think that I, I'm now just the tiniest bit skeptical of the idea that hiring a manager who, quote, knows the club means anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that actually passes scientific rigor. You should be worried, Adam. I think you've got the only manager in the Premier League with a tattoo of his club on his uh, arm, haven't you? I think knowing the club um, helps. I think it. I think it helps in terms of the best route to the ground. Yeah. Um, I mean, traffic and some a good place to stop after training for a coffee or or you know knowing the lunch ladies and the the kit person and all that. Um, but I, I don't think it's the the, the sort of magical um, elixir that that it's often made out to be and 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 listen it's two games for freddie youngberg so it's way too soon but what a job that he's got on his hands now to get them into i don't even uh, get a respectable top half finish hmm. i mean as a collective we've all seen a lot of freddie lundberg like literally a lot but yes well, he's had those pants on so that, there could be tattoos hidden under there you don't know that he's the, I don't think he's the only one his love for arsenal may grow 
<laughs> well, I wasn't going with that way with it, but that's how you want to. <laughs> that's, that's weirder. You've somehow made it weirder. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the other thing. Bird Leno was very good in that game and the last one, the Norwich one. They lost that one without him. I just want to say that in in, uh, in Justin's Venn diagram of players who think they're too good for playing for Arsenal and players that are too scared to play for Arsenal, like Genduzzi has to be the only one who just sits outside of that, right? Sort of like trying hard, he's only like 19, just doing his bit, just surrounded by absolute dross. I was going to say, who are you going to put, which players are you going to put in which category there? Uh, well, I think they should be at a better club, and they probably will be this time next year or, or thereabouts. I think Bayerin may think that, even though he does seem a pretty loyal club guy. Um, look, it, it was it was a mark of, of European validation not long ago to, to play for Arsenal. They're not one of the, the global super clubs. They're not Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, but they're in that next tier. And so for, for, for a lot of players, it would have been a, a career ambition uh, and, uh, and a mark of professional accomplishment to, to be there. And, um, you know, much, much like Manchester United, they're not there anymore, much like Liverpool not that long ago in the, in the maybe the Roy Hodgson years and all that. Um, Thanks for that. And so there's a lot. Yeah, sorry. Listen, it's good times now, so you don't, don't have to worry about that. But I, I think that there's a lot of resentment from some players who look around and say, well, you know, the rest of you have let me down and that this situation is, is, is all your fault. And I can only imagine some of the dynamics that must be going on in, in that dressing room. Adam, you facial expressions again. You must be sat on something. <laughs> I just don't think that they, I think they're the tier below the tier below. Well, they are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's still a sort of legitimately high, high bar. I'm just saying that sort of like, if Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich are one, then there's if there's two, Arsenal are two B. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, but I would say you know two thousand to two thousand five six that time period they had genuine world class players all over the park and and they didn't particularly do it in Europe. I would always hold that against them, but. Uh, that they were a big club. They're still a big club in a commercial sense and a fan base sense. They're just, uh, you know, they're they're just Bournemouth. Well, look, they they <laughs> you know, face as, as footballers. They faced fifty-two shots at home so far this season. The Invincibles only faced forty-eight all season. So there's a midfield yeah, and they drop somewhere. Games. It's almost like they yeah. don't have a silver player for them, right? <laughs> uh, Ali, um, did you watch this game? Clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> I was convinced it finished 1-1. Okay. <laughs> you just surprised me when you said Brighton won. But it, the result doesn't shock me in any way. No. Um, one, Brighton have been fairly decent this season, performance-wise, and Arsenal are terrible. Um, again, a bit like Man United, no identity, very soft core. Um, I think Emery was like out his depth tactically as a manager. I'm not sure Lundberg's going to do much better. Um, but I don't know who they would have got in. Who would want the job with the, the setup? They're, just, they're in a rut, and I don't see where they're going to get out of it anytime soon. Jamaica, any sort of challenge up those European places and, and above. Okay, well, look, it's their longest winless run since 1977. Um, they are next uh, away to. West Ham, which ironically enough is the Freddie Lundberg derby. Um, 
Arsenal winless in the Premier League since October, uh, although they've won 12 games at West Ham, which is the most against a Premier League opponent uh, for an away, uh, at the time it's been an away team. Um, they've scored a seven away goals this season, and Aubameyang has scored six of those. Um, West Ham, of course, were, uh, did well at the weekend. They had that victory against Chelsea. They came crashing back down to earth again in the week when they lost 2-0 uh, to Wolves with Patrick Catroni and Leo Dendonka. Um, so... Brighton play Wolves, who are on their longest top flight room since 1972 and are fifth um, these last two games. What do you guys reckon? Which game are you speaking of? Arsenal either. or... Sorry, yeah. uh, either. So either, uh, either West Ham, Arsenal or Brighton, Wolves. I think Wolves will beat Brighton. Um, Brighton try to play a more attacking football, which kind of suits Wolves with a counter-attacking. I think Wolves have just got better individual players so they just you know they're for for a team who's in the Europa League and a new team to Europe as well I, I feel they're they're balancing out quite well as far as the Arsenal West Ham game like who, who cares <laughs> there'll be goals in it I, I wouldn't say who'll come out on top but Arsenal can't defend and they have some ability going forward I think there'll be goals I think West Ham have the worst goalkeeper in the league Albeit, I think they may have just dropped him and playing a young guy now, aren't they? No, they're playing live legend David Martin. He's, yeah, he's, they, 33. They, they, he's 30, 33 years old. You're correct. They dropped Roberto. He was. Right. He seemed to be actively conspiring to, to funnel the <laughs> ball into, into the goal. Yeah, um, I think he made a save. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 and apparently, the guy, the, the chief scout that recommended him, is has been sacked. That's 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 a fair that's a yeah. fair sacking. Nobody can yeah, question that. Um, how how long do we know is Fabianski out for? Only another few weeks. It's not much longer, is it? I thought it was the new year he's coming back. Right. That that'll be massive for West Ham because West Ham have a good squad there, um, and there was games where literally that goalkeeper was just throwing throwing it in and costing them points. Um, yeah. Like Arsenal have got wins there with the right tactics and 11 the problem as Justin says they're just they literally are all over this place they just it's like they change formation 15 times a game um, they're out of position constantly um, David Louise is your leader there's your issue straight away um, Adam says that the one player who's not included in a, the negative aspects is Guendouzi who's a 19 year old kid um, Obama Yang's their best player who looks so disinterested that I think Chris says it on the Sunday show that he would kind of quite happily sell him at the moment because he's more a hundred than a than a help and you could strengthen the team with that one sale maybe a bit like the Coutinho sale with Liverpool when everybody said he was one of the best we managed to get ridiculous money so you could do the same with Aubameyang um, I mean the biggest positive for Arsenal is Ozil assist and getting game time because I, I, for me he's still key to Arsenal being successful and, and attacking um, he's their most creative player OK uh, anyone want to talk about Brighton Wolves it's our last last item no <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, right. That brings us to the end of our Mega Premier League roundup. Uh, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Anyone got any other business? Yeah, very quickly. If you haven't seen it already, you should definitely look up the official mascot of the next Copa America. Yes. In an in an in a nod to 
the South American predilection of dogs running loose on under the pitch. They've uh, just made it a, a adorable dog mascot with like one black eye, one white eye, goofy look on his face. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. As, as someone who watches, you know, the South American leagues regularly, there's dogs running on the pitch all the time, and it's it's wonderful. Have you recovered from a fortnight ago? You know, I, I, I'm I'm pretty philosophical about that. We had five. It's been five amazing seasons under Gallardo and an unbelievable success and, and just regular humiliation of Boca Juniors. Um, not forgetting we knocked Boca out to get to that final to then throw it away in the last two minutes. I think every every club side has a moment like that in their history um, where they've had the greatest prize snatched from them right at the end. Uh, it probably would have devastated I'm me. I'm looking at Adam and wondering. Years ago. Sorry, what? I'm looking at Adam and wondering when you say that. Well, I, I mean, every every club that's in contention to win the biggest trophies okay. ha, has had it go, go terribly wrong at some point. Um, you know, so so I, yeah, I'm recovered. It's it's okay, and and you know what? It may end up in the end. It may keep keep Gallardo around another year or two. So I try to see the bright side of it. Cool. If anyone wants to commiserate with you, how do they follow you on Twitter? Uh, it's at at keepers underscore union. Okay, Adam, how do they follow you on Twitter? Adam SA101. Uh, Ali, if they want to talk to you about how awful Christmas jumpers are and Christmas in general, how do they do that? Uh, Chris Etchenham. <laughs> 77. Uh, yeah, I couldn't remember the number. Uh, Ali Thompson, 84, I believe. Okay, brilliant. Right. Um, we are at Man of the Post on Twitter and Instagram. You can like us on Facebook as well. We are all over your social medias. Um, you can download us from Spotify, Stitcher, Acast or Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can rate and review us and give us a lovely five-star review. We'd be very grateful of that. Um, you can subscribe, follow and like on there as well. And all your future podcasts will fall automatically down into your inbox. Um, Ali, are you going to be around on Sunday for the reviewing the games that we've been previewing here? Uh, no, it'll be Chris and David. Chris and Dave. Okay, so they'll be back on Sunday to review the games that we've been previewing here. Um, guys, thank you ever so much for joining me. Thank always you. a pleasure. Brilliant. And always remember to keep your man on the post. Thank you.